We've been in the book of the prophet Jeremiah for like the last month. And Jeremiah is still the Hebrew Bible reading in the lectionary, but I figured Jeremiah had depressed us long enough. And maybe it would be time to go back to the Gospels and hear a word from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for your word. We pray for the gift of your spirit, that it would fill our hearts and minds, that it would open our ears, that it would open us to the guidance of your word, that it might comfort us where we are troubled, that it might trouble us where we are comfortable. God, we pray for the gift of your spirit, that it would surround these words, that it would fill this space so that we might grow as disciples of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I want to tell you this morning about a man I've known most of my life. To protect his identity, I'm going to call him Larry. Larry is a house painter. Larry is a brother, Larry is a friend, Larry is a son, Larry is also addicted to drugs. He has been for most of the time I've known him since I was a kid. He, he grew up in the church like I did, he's, he's older than me. But I remember him uh, whenever we had, you know, big meals of pig pickings and things like that, he would always be out there helping with the cooking uh, or working in the kitchen. Uh, when we'd have cover dish suppers, uh, you know, on Sunday nights, and uh, he would be there in the kitchen uh, at the beverage window serving sweet tea and lemonade. And sometimes he would just disappear for weeks, months. Sometimes we wouldn't see him. And everybody knew why. And we'd worry, and we'd hope, and pray, and eventually he would show back up looking like a shell of himself. One night I remember we were having one of those covered dish suppers and uh, nobody had seen him for months and then all of a sudden there he was in the kitchen at the, at the serving window handing out drinks. And he looked awful. There were dark circles under his eyes and he'd lost so much weight his clothes were hanging on him like a skeleton. 
every year, no matter what, he would always make sure that, that he had things together in the summertime when we would go on our mission trips to Appalachia because this was his favorite thing. This sustained him being able to go on these trips and use the skills that God had given him to repair someone's home to make somebody's house warmer or safer or drier. And we would uh, sleep in, in local schools in big classrooms, uh, and he would walk by every morning, like way before it was time for us to have to be up, kicking my air mattress, telling me it was time for me to get up. Gave him a kind of energy and purpose, uh, an enthusiasm and a brightness to his life that, that you would rarely ever see. And it was contagious for even those of us teenagers who were not in a hurry to get up. But sometime between that summer's trip and the next summer's trip, there's a reasonable chance that he was going to disappear again. Uh, I love him. I've always been afraid for him. But I also get angry with him. And I used to especially get angry that he would have the gall to show back up after weeks and weeks and months of months of being gone and act like nothing happened. I would get angry that the love of the people in his life um, still to this day doesn't seem to stop him, doesn't stop his illness actually from taking over and pushing him to the brink. And I remember... Specifically, that, that one night of that covered dish supper, seeing them him there in a window looking like a skeleton with clothes on and thinking to myself, clean yourself up before you come back in. You haven't shaved. Get some clothes that fit. Get a good night's sleep. Do an apology tour for the people that have been worried sick about you before you just show up here handing out sweet tea like nothing happened. Have some respect for the church. This is a mindset that's built on scarcity. As if Larry is taking advantage of some grace or welcome that is not his. And that we will all run out of it if he keeps using it without any discretion. It's important for us to get clarity about what is finite, what is scarce, what is limited, and what is not limited, because we often get confused about that. Some things that we think are never-ending actually could run out. So, like, we live like there's fossil fuels enough to power our world to the end of time, but there's not. We live like there's enough clean water for everybody everywhere to have to the end of time. Until we pollute the water and we pollute the atmosphere as if it could never run out. We act like we can live without the Amazon and the other great forests that we call the lungs of the earth, which, you know, allow us to do stuff like breathe. We burn through some stuff like it could never run out, and then we hoard other stuff like misers, stuff that could never run out. As if some folks having the right to be married will mean other folks lose the right to be married. You know, if we let those folks in the Bahamas 
who had their lives wiped off the map into the most prosperous country in the world, somehow it will take bread off of your table or mine. So these parables are for people who are confused about what's limited and what's plentiful. Because Jesus says that the scribes and the Pharisees are gathering around him and they see the people that he's keeping company with and they say that Jesus is welcoming these sinners and eating with them and they seem to think that by Jesus offering them his presence and offering them welcome and hospitality and love and grace to people whose lives have gone sideways that he is frittering away some precious resource that might run out. One way to see this passage is to see it as if the righteous people, you know the people who've got their lives together, who've got it all figured out, should be generous and welcoming to the people who are unrighteous, who've made messes of their lives. But this isn't really it. As one writer points it, it's not about points out, it's not about two different types of people, it's about two different responses to the same thing, to the extravagant mercy of God. You can respond with scarcity, or you can respond with abundance. You can respond with skepticism, is this really true? Or you can respond with joy, thank you God. And to receive this grace and mercy, and the issue is that so many people who sing about it and pray about it and come to church and say it with their mouth that it is true, have not really accepted that it is true in their own lives. Have not brought themselves to believe that it's really true about them. Because to believe that it's really true about you is to have your heart and your mind transformed and to have that that acceptance change the way that you see God, the way that you see the world, the way that you see other people. Because when you really have it in your own heart and mind, you don't hoard it. You want everybody to have it. If you know that the grace and mercy of God is true for you, then you know that somebody else getting that is not cause for jealousy. It's cause for celebration. The grace of God is meant to fill us with generosity and with joy and with a desire to see every other person receive the gift of knowing the deep love of God for them. Abundance, not scarcity. There's plenty to go around. There's that online meme that says, um, you know, grace for somebody doesn't mean less grace for you. This is not pie. It's more like a candle flame. In the sense that lighting somebody else's doesn't diminish yours at all. It just means that there's more light in the world. For Jesus, when he tells these parables, he paints us a picture of a God who cannot rest while the puzzle is incomplete. Ever put together a puzzle and get to the very end and you're missing a piece? Yeah. <sighs> Right? And you start tearing up the couch cushions, you get up and you're shaking out your shirt, you're yelling at everybody, stand up, stand up, look under your seat. Because it's going to bother you, right, until that one piece is back in place. And the message of the gospel is that God 
cares about each and every one of us just as we might about that last piece. That the picture that God is trying to put together is not complete until we're all until we're all together the way God has called us to be together. And so just because God loves another puzzle piece that deeply, does it mean that God would be any more or less upset if you went missing? It's not pie. There's love enough to go around. You might, we might project our love on the God. Our love might be limited. God's love is not limited. Does not have a bottom or a top. There's plenty enough for everybody. And in these two parables, I think Jesus also calls the community, he's calling these people who are grumbling and are not sure about, about if there is enough space to welcome everyone to open their doors and stop being so downcast and celebrate. Ever watch a sporting, been at, been at a sporting event? You pull in for your team, something big happens. All of a sudden, people around each other who are perfect strangers are high-fiving and celebrating and doing all this stuff together. They've never, never met each other, probably never see each other again, but all in that moment, they're best friends. Because the joy that's taking place is so strong that you feel like I have to share it with somebody else. Doesn't matter who it is. You happen to be sitting behind me. Thank God I can high five you because I need to high five somebody. At the end of both parables, the shepherd finds the lost sheep, the woman finds the lost coin, and then what's the next thing they do? They get on the phone to come over. We're having a party. I, I can't, I'm so happy I can't keep this to myself. I got to get as many people in here as I can to celebrate this one. That I have. This is the kind of joy that, that God calls community to. Not the kind of, you know, scarcity, but abundance. We've got enough joy to celebrate everybody. And just because we celebrate the next person coming through the door doesn't mean there's not enough joy for us to celebrate Everyone. I wonder what it would mean for us to get straight. What is scarce and what is abundant? If we could really get down deep in our hearts, what would happen in the world in which we live if people who called themselves Christians believed in God's grace being sufficient enough for them that they would not withhold it from somebody else because they cannot accept that it is true for them. And I, how, if, you don't go, if you don't hear anything else this morning, even if you cannot yet believe that it is true for you, even if it's too soon, it can't get deep down into your soul, even if you're on the journey toward believing that it's true, God's love for you is so deep. Yes, yes, yes. You are the missing piece. That's how deep God's love for you is. And if you get lost, if you can't quite believe it, God will keep showing it to you until you find it. That's how deep God's love for you is. It is abundant. 
It never runs out. And we've got to keep saying it and keep celebrating it until we all know it's true. Amen.